Welcome to today's show. We're the New Era Property Podcast and today we're talking about is rent to rent a real business? So we're going to talk through the op- how you do the rent to rent strategy. What is it? What's it look like? And what does that mean for you and your business? And are, what are the downsides? Does it really work? Rick, what do you say rent to rent is? Give us the detail. Give us the gory detail. What's good and bad about it? Okay, so I think rent to rent's always had a little bit of a bad name and I think undeserved. So for those of you that are listening that don't know what rent to rent is, so rent to rent is generally used for HMO properties, so houses in multiple occupation or serviced accommodation. And it's where you take over somebody else's house and operate it pretty much as if it were your own under either a lease or a management agreement subject to the mortgage conditions and planning permission and licensing. So when you get hold of the property, then you can get to trade it. You pay the owner of the property a fixed fee each month and you keep the profits. So it's a great way for people to get started in property that don't have a huge pot of cash. But there are loads of people out there that train rent to rent. There are quite a few people out there that just go out and do it because they've heard about it, they've read a book, and they don't do it very well. And they force the owner of the property to breach mortgage conditions or insurance conditions, or they just simply don't fulfill their side of the agreement. Now, I know that, you know, that the only press, you know, negative stories sell newspapers, negative stories sell vlogs and blogs and and people get views. So people pick up on, you know, the bad stories. And to be fair, we only get one or two a year. People don't generally pick up on the good stuff because there are loads of good people out there using rent to rent as a really good bona fide business. Now, I think, now we've actually, Lorraine, we've got some rent to rent in our portfolio. I think we've got maybe three. I think we've only, yeah. got, we've only got three. Now They're slowly dwindling, aren't they? They are dwindling, but we don't, or we didn't actively go out looking for them. But when we are marketing and when we're going through an acquisition phase, then sometimes they just pop along. And sometimes they are no brainers because you could, believe it or not, you could get out there. And I mentioned this in one of the shows a few weeks ago, that you could literally just send a marketing campaign out to local landlords that have got HMOs and sometimes not always the case but sometimes if you're lucky you could get a property that is already occupied and it's already a HMO and it doesn't need any money spending on it now we've got a few examples like that and I think for those trying to get into property with a limited budget then the rent to rent strategy is a really good way of doing it but Don't go out there and start on your own because there's so much legislation when it comes to the Housing Act, the HMO regulations, HMO management regulations and everything else that surrounds it. And you've also got to understand that, you know, if you're going to be dealing with properties that have got mortgages, you don't want to be, you know, putting the owner of that property in any vulnerable position when it comes to any breaches, etc., But it's a great way to get started. Now, you can also, if you've got money in the bank and maybe if you're out there marketing and somebody says, look, you know, I don't want to manage the property anymore, but I don't want to sell it, then that could very well fit in your portfolio and just bring in the cash. So it's a great way of building a cash buffer. So if you've got no money and you want to really start your own 
portfolio and start building equity in your own business, then if you're already working and you don't need the cash flow now, then all of the money and all of the profit that comes from the rent-to-rent deals, you could save up. And then over the period of the contract, you could then put towards a deposit on your next property. So there's a lot going for rent-to-rent. And I think that, you know, sadly for them, they're licking the, the, the term and the word rent-to-rent has been a little bit misused and has got a bit of a bad reputation. Yeah. So let's put some meat on the bones here because, you know, some people might not understand what is a bad operator. What are a few examples of like really bad examples of bad rent to rent deals? There could be loads. I mean, I could give you a few examples of breaches that people have done in the past. Um, First of all, taking on residential houses and converting them into HMOs. So another example might be that it used to be a family home and the occupiers have now left the rent to rent operator comes in turns it into a hmo and doesn't get consent from the mortgage company to let the property out so therefore putting the owner at risk other examples could be insurance not informing the insurance company that it is now hmo so therefore the insurance would be invalid and loads of stories that you know pop up now and again saying that the rent to rent operator isn't fulfilling their side of the bargain so not paying when they're supposed to pay and especially when they're saying and using the word guaranteed rent so they're not actually paying and other operators just disappearing and then leaving the owners to pick up the pieces but you know those are the scary stories on the flip side We've got so many more positive stories from owners that are so pleased with the rent-to-rent deal and really pleased with their passive income that's enabled them to build equity in the property over the years so they've not had to sell it. And, you know, we've also got stories ourselves of neighbours from properties that we've taken on on rent-to-rents saying how good the property is now and how better it is as a HMO than it was when it was a single let. So I think that if you do it properly, you take the right education, you don't cut corners, it's a really good bona fide business strategy. Yeah, so why would somebody want to do a rent to rent? And I just want to give this some context because we've got a couple of students who are from Hong Kong and they don't understand why a landlord wouldn't go and maximise their opportunity, get all the cash they possibly can from HMO and then give it to somebody else to single that, you know, effectively that's what the cash flow does. So why would a landlord do this? I think, you know, when it comes to motivation of landlords, um, we get this question a lot, you know, why would a landlord do it? Why wouldn't they just go out and do it themselves? Why wouldn't they use an agent if they don't want to do it themselves? There's loads of different reasons. So talking from our own experience, we've got landlords that we took a property on that was or is a, a converted pub. And the motivation on a rent to rent basis was that the owner of the property bought the pub and converted it into a 12 bedroom HMO, all en suite, and then gave it to an agent. And the owner, the developer, wasn't a landlord, never been a landlord, didn't want to be a landlord, just bought it as an investment. So we gave this property to an agent and the agent wanted to fill it with students. And within about six months, they only managed to get three students. They were all overseas students. And he came to me after a landlord campaign and, you know, said, look, I'm really struggling here. We've got three students. I'm only getting, you know, I'm getting paid virtually nothing. What's your offer? And I said, well, look, I'll take the whole property over. I'll pay you 
£2,400 a month every month, even if the property's empty. So you're going to be earning a huge amount more than you're earning now. And that was his motivation. So he took it. He just wanted that guaranteed income. He didn't want to run the property, had no experience of running the property. And he had a bad experience with his agent because the agent failed to fill it. On another example, we took a property on about eight, maybe nine years ago now, quite a long time ago. And the motivation was that, again, this particular owner was a manager of a bank. He bought it as an investment. And unfortunately for him, he bought it right at the peak of the market, tried to put it on the market, and unfortunately, he was in negative equity. So he was stuck with it. He couldn't sell it. So we approached him from a landlord campaign again from letters, and we negotiated a deal. Now, his motivation was that he was renting it out to a charity. The charity were filling the property with uh, undesirables for um, that particular area. It was causing lots of problems. He was constantly getting called from the neighbours and he was constantly having to fight fires. So he had no desire at all of taking the property on. He literally just wanted to wash his hands of it. So we approached him and we offered to initially to buy it. He said no because it was you know too low and he would have to have paid the bank back. So we went into an agreement that we took it over for five years and then in five years time hopefully the market would increase so he could get some equity in the property for him to sell it. And that's exactly what we did. So we took it over for five years. And in fact, um, it's well, it, it, he's about to sell the property now. He's just going through legals. But we had it in our portfolio for five years. He was happy with the equity and it was a win-win. But I think, you know, there's loads of different motivating factors. For some landlords, it's making sure that they get, they might have to take a little bit of a cut. They don't get paid quite as much perhaps than they would do if it was with an agent but with an agent it's not going to be occupied all year round with us we give them the income no matter whether it's empty or not all year round we also pay the utilities now you don't get that with an agent so we pay the council tax we pay all of the gas water electric etc so loads of motivation there you know sometimes people don't want to use agents sometimes landlords don't want to manage themselves but they don't want to sell either so they're kind of stuck in the middle here of you know not having a very good um, routine not having a very good strategy of how to manage the property themselves and that's where we come in. Yeah, definitely. I think if you think about where you're coming from, if you want to do a rent to rent agreement with a with the owner, with the landlord, you're thinking about the money, you're thinking about the income that's coming into your pocket, how you can benefit from potentially multi-letting it or doing a higher cash flow strategy like service accommodation. So your focus is very much on the profit, how much money you can make, where as if you think of it from the landlord, if you stand in their shoes for a moment and in the owner's shoes, what you understand is that in those examples you've just talked through, Rick, all of those people have other things in their lives. They had businesses, they have another property portfolio, they have high paid jobs, they're doing other things and they are accidental landlords or accidental property investors. And it's kind of secondary. And what was interesting when our, our Hong Kong students talked to to us about rent to rent, they didn't understand in their culture. They're very much about maximizing profit, making sure that you do everything to the utmost, and having that that um, that maximization of profit, and never admitting that you couldn't do something. Uh, and I think in the UK, the the, the culture is slightly different. Uh, property investing is very much alongside and and has been a sort of a 
a second income, a part-time investment um, approach, really. And I think that's what what the the, the massive difference is. And and there are so many people whose motivations to go into rent to rent is completely different. Now, coming back to is rent to rent a real business? Well, of course, in the commercial sector. It's, this happens all the time. You know, a lot of supermarkets don't even own the building that they trade out of, which is effectively the same thing. It's, it's running a high cash flow business out of a building that you essentially don't own. So is rent to rent a real business? Any further thoughts on that, Rick? Well, you've got to look at, you know, I think Northwood, the agency, they've been operating this as a business for 20 years or more. You yeah, know, they true. started, didn't they? You know, they would take on landlords and give you a guaranteed monthly income. That's what they did. And it's worked for them. You know, they had to start somewhere as well, just like anybody else. There's a lot of fallacies as well, you know, when people say, well, you can't do that because it's subletting and subletting's illegal because they've spoken to their mate Dave in the bar and he's spoken to his rent accountant and his his, his renter landlord and his renter solicitor and they've all told him that, you know, it's illegal and you can't do it. The fact is that, first of all, subletting is not illegal provided you've got the consent of all the interested parties. So that would be the mortgage provider, that would be the owner of the property, that would be the insurance company, and anybody else that's got an interested party. But I would just say to everybody, if you're looking to go into this as a strategy, you've got to be educated. You do really need to know what you're doing and make sure that you do with the right legal contracts and make sure you do it through a lawyer. There are loads of people on the internet that are all happy to share legal agreements and loads of people asking for them. You know, I see it every day in my groups, my my HMO and property community group on Facebook. We've got 23,000 active members almost every day. Someone's asking for a legally binding contract. Now, don't do that. It's not written for you. It wasn't commissioned for you. It's going to be full of holes. You don't even know if the legal contract is up to date or whether it's been superseded by other legislation. So invest in your business, do it properly, contact the lawyer and get them to draw up an agreement for you. And then you've got their professional indemnity to rely on as well. Yeah, and that's great advice because when a rent-to-rent business is on ASTs, then it definitely isn't a business. It's full of holes. It's contractually wrong. It's probably... um, bordering on illegal and when you have the right contracts you have a real business you have something that potentially you can assign you can look at all of these types of scenarios with your legal team to make sure that you have a business that can have some value to you and to other people so some great comments there rick thank you no problem thank you everyone that's gonna bring this show to a close i hope you enjoy the new format but we don't know because the problem with podcasts is that it's pretty one-sided. It's a, a one-way street. So what I'd love you to do, as we asked you last week and probably the week before, if you like the podcast, could you head over, give us a review, make sure you type something in so we know we're doing the right thing. And then if you screenshot your review and send it to the email address that I've put in the show description, then what we'll do is we'll send you a free copy of my book, 45 Ways to Buy Property. Now, that will be a paperback copy, and I will sign it for you as well. That would be awesome. Thank you so much. We'll be back here next week with some of the same. Until then, take care. See you soon.